Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. One of my earliest recollections, most vivid memories I remember in my life, I was about three or four years old, and um, my family would travel in the summertime. Every year we had a cottage up on Lake Michigan. Eventually that was the home I grew up in, I moved into when I was ten. When we would go to visit our cottage, such joy. You know, the smells of the cottage when you'd open it, the mothball smell of the blankets and things like that. I just loved being there. It was so great. My dad would work on the cottage. It was originally a one-room cabin that he put two additions on. He had the bedrooms and everything on one side and a larger living room on the other. And We were about, oh, 150 feet off the shore of Lake Michigan up in Leelanau County, and we just loved to be there, and I enjoyed it so much. And during the renovations, my dad uh, had to move what was behind the kitchen. It was the bathroom, the original bathroom. He moved that bathroom into the wing where the bedrooms were. Makes sense, a little bit more convenient, a bigger bathroom. There was no shower, there was no bathtub. It was just a a small cabin. Now we had a, a bathtub. Of course, No one explained to little Kevin that the bathroom had been moved. And and so I remember, I really remember this so vividly, that I got up in the middle of the night to go use the bathroom, in which is now the utility room, and I went in and I stepped into the room And there was no floor. And I stepped in and found myself underneath the house. I remember pitch black. I remember calling out, Mom! Dad! No one heard me. I was under the house. I remember crawling around in the sand and I felt around and I felt the cinder block um, foundation. We don't know how long I was down there. It had to have been over a half an hour considering the distance that I made as I crawled because I found myself eventually, it's quite a maze down there, I found myself underneath my parents' bedroom and they heard me screaming. I remember the terror of that moment. My heart is pounding right now, just reliving it. And they heard me underneath screaming, Mom, Dad, and I was underneath their bed, but I was underneath the floor. And the only way to get me back out, because no one could fit in the hole, go down and get me, was to drop a flashlight down, and everyone was yelling, can you see the light? Come, Kevin, come to the light. Come, come to the light. Well, there's probably an illustration right there, but come, come to the light. 
And I remember when they finally, when I finally came through and I saw that flashlight and they reached down and they pulled me up. I remember I was so terrified of that room. Terrified of that experience. That even in the years later when we moved into the house and I was 10 years old, I was afraid of that room. And that was the utility room. So if anything went wrong with the pump and we'd have a power failure, you'd have to reboot something or the water heater, anything. And that's where we kept like the matches for the, and dad would say, hey, just go grab them out of the utility room. I, I didn't want to go there. Sometimes those fears that we take and, and by the way, terrors that we take from our childhood, they stay with us. They impact us. They affect us. And, and we might stand back and say, well, you know, that's not rational to be afraid of a room. Fear isn't rational sometimes. Fear grips us and takes us. I remember even into my high school years, seriously, into my high school years, I remember feeling and thinking like something terrible lived in that room. And I never wanted to go there. Hopefully, I've painted a good enough picture for you to latch on to my fear. And maybe, while I was speaking, you latched on to yours. Maybe you have something from your childhood or, or maybe even from last week that has terrified you and gripped you deeply and taken you captive somewhat. I was changed to never want to go into that room again. Candace and I lived in that house the, when we were first married. I still hated that room. Maybe you have found something that you're afraid of, that, you, that you're aware of. So, what kinds of things might we be afraid of? Fear of heights. Fear of spiders. Yes. Oh, I said clams. I was like, okay. Clowns. Fear of clowns. Fear of the dark. Fear of wasps. Fairs? Bears. Okay, bears. I'm, I'm illustrating for you why this doesn't often always work. Fairs. Oh, going to a fair. Okay, no bears. Being lost. Rejection. Failure. See, we're starting to creep into territory now which we can see how our fears can limit us and they can bind us and they can overpower us. We're going to look at Scripture. I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Luke and we're going to be staying in the first two chapters of Luke this morning as we look at four different, or pardon me, three different places in Scripture where a story of fear took place. And hopefully, what the little exercise I've just done with you is that we're going to be able to now step into these stories and try to understand and grapple and wrestle with their fears, the fears of the people in these stories. So in Luke chapter 1, verse 5, 
In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. The religious workers in Israel were divided into two groups. There were the priests and the Levites, and all were descended from the tribe of Levi, but the priests were descendants of Moses' brother Aaron. They had kind of a higher honor. Elizabeth herself was also a descendant of Aaron, and for Zechariah to have married Elizabeth was a, considered a, a big honor to marry a young lady from the tribe of Aaron and a descendant of Aaron. That was a big deal. Zechariah was one of over 20,000 priests in Israel. They served in 24 groups or divisions, and they served, as was the custom, two one-week periods throughout the course of the year. So they would come into, into Jerusalem, serve for a week, their family would come with them, and then they would leave. Now it says in the text that Zechariah was well along in years. That's a, that's a nice way of saying he was a senior citizen. He was probably 60 years old or older. So that was about the cutoff, about 60 years old. And they have no children. In the culture of Israel, at this time, the implications of that were horrific. It was so difficult for Elizabeth to show her face. Your husband is a priest, and you can't give him a child. There was a lot of shame involved. And for years and years and years, the couple has had to endure this shame. Now, it says in verse 8, When Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense, and when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. When it came time to burn the incense, um, a priest could only do this possibly one time in their life. But they were drawn by lots, so there was a really great chance in your lifetime as a priest you would never have this duty. You would never have this obligation. You would never have this privilege. And so Zechariah's lot has been chosen and he gets to go into the Holy of Holies. You know, the place where nobody's allowed to go except the chosen priest. Woohoo! Am I right? Or does that bring with it a level of fear? Zechariah has been practicing getting ready, preparing. He knows everything he needs to do from a religious standpoint. He's got it down, but now he needs to go in there alone. He needs to offer up prayers for himself that his presence in the holy place will be found acceptable. He needs to offer up prayers for the people. And the people, by the way, outside of the area are praying, may the merciful God enter the holy place and accept with favor the offering of his people. 
May the merciful God enter the holy place and accept with favor the offering of His people. May the merciful... What happens if He doesn't? Zechariah, I guarantee, is in fear. So he goes in. Verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Now remember, he had to offer up prayers for the people. Offer up prayers for himself that he might be found acceptable. And the angel just said to him, and, and I had to look at this because I thought, did the angel just said, say to Zechariah, your prayers for the people have been heard, or your prayers for acceptance in this place have been heard? Your, you, you alone, Zechariah, your own personal prayer has been heard. You're going to have a son. All these years, Zechariah has been praying for a son. Maybe he stopped. Maybe he stopped praying for this when he and Elizabeth reached their 40s or their 50s. I don't know. But the timing of which was God said, I'm going to answer that prayer now in the affirmative. I answered it before in the not yet. But I'm answering it now in the affirmative. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. Or, Kevin's paraphrase, are you kidding me? What are you nuts? How are we going to take care of this child? How are we going to do this? How are we going to possibly take care of an, a child, an infant child? And I mean, what happens, what happens when, the, when the kid hits high school? What happens when the, the kid goes to, high, uh, to college? How are we going to pay for this? Zechariah is standing there in the presence of God. And the great silence of 200 years that all of Israelites, all the Israelites have known has been silent. The prophets have not spoken. And now he stands in the presence of the very angel who spoke to, Gabriel, who spoke to Daniel. He stands in the presence of Gabriel. The last time Gabriel spoke, he spoke to Daniel about things like, oh, you know, the end times. And now he says to Zechariah, you're going to be a daddy. Congratulations. Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. How can I be sure of this? Zechariah's doubts are met now with silence. His own. You want proof, Zechariah? There's your proof. You can't speak. I remember it was like March or April of 1993. I was managing at a restaurant and I was talking. We had a downtime a little slow. It was right between dinner and lunch and dinner. And this guy comes walking in with this big bouquet of flowers. 
And he sets him down on the counter and he says, uh, I'm looking for Kevin Lane. Might as well ask me. And flowers, I pick him up and it's, I'm like, this is, this is great. And it says, congratulations, daddy. And I'm like, I said to the guy, I go, dude, you are like really late. And he's like, what? I go, yeah, my son was born back in August. And the hostess next to me goes, I think you should read the card, you know. And I flip it, and it says, it's from Candace, and it says, I love you, looking forward to our great adventure. And I, what? How are we going to afford this? How are we going to, I'm going to, but I already, but we have, how, we have two? I read you, huh? Congrats, Daddy, I love you. Here's a gift. Here's a gift. And terror comes with it. Do you remember? Huh. Terror comes with it. If you're a parent, you know that terror. Which I guess takes us to a young lady. Verse 26, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to, in a town, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. She's a kid. And and I realize that as I'm getting older, you know, um, I'm looking at people who were my age when we got married, and I'm saying, the kid. But this was a kid kid. She was probably in her early, mid-teens. And the same angel... And the same knowledge, she says, I know who Gabriel is. Daniel, end times. I'm going to have a baby? The angel said, verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with a child and give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Boy, there's a birth announcement. We're expecting. We're expecting the Messiah. The King of Israel. My kid is going to be so special. Imagine the fear of knowing that you are the bearer of the Messiah. Sure. All the ladies in Israel have been looking forward to or hoping and praying they would be the one. But now the choice is made. I'm going to be the one? How will this be? She said in verse 34. What kinds of feelings and fears do you think are rising up in this young young lady? I'm young. I'm going to disgrace I'm going to be a disgrace. I disgrace my family. I'm going to be looked down upon. I, I might wind up raising this child alone. How am I going to have an income? Who's going to support me? I'm supposed to raise the Messiah. This is up to me. As an aside, think about 
the young ladies today who go into this same situation. The fear that they have. And how do we respond to them, especially as Christians? Do we respond to them with, well, you shouldn't have gotten yourself into trouble. Don't you know better? Or do we respond to them in their fear? Do we love them, cherish them, look out for them? God's timeline does not always match our timeline. And sometimes our fears can be anchored in that very fact. God, I'm not ready. God, I don't want change. God, I don't want what you want for my life. Turn over to chapter 2. So far we've looked at two individuals. Now we're going to look at a group of people. Verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Shepherd's life. Ah. Living large in the land. No shower. No kitchen. A lot of smelly sheep. You move from plot to plot. You're responsible for taking care of the sheep. You've got to be vigilant and ever watching for wild animals, lions, anybody, tigers, and bears. Oh my! What could be coming to take the sheep? And if you lose a sheep or if anything happens to the sheep, you have to answer to your the owner of the sheep because you're just a shepherd. And which, by the way, you're just a shepherd. You're the low guy on the totem pole. And an angel of the Lord, verse 9, appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I'm thinking, you think? But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. These messages from Gabriel keep coming with an interesting little addition. Don't be afraid. You're going to be a daddy. Don't be afraid. The Lord is with you. Don't be afraid. I got some good news. And it's going to be for all the people. So the time has come. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. I have to make a little quick. I got I got to share this. It's a, like a confession. I was going to throw an illustration in here, but I thought I ought not do it because since fear is the theme, I thought... I didn't want to scare you too much. But it was at that moment that I was going to have the sound guys with the volume turned way up play a part of the Hallelujah Chorus. So let's see. I'm going to kind of do this. 
So the angel Gabriel makes the announcement and it says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host, Hallelujah! Boom! And I just wanted it to rip through the place. And I wanted to just see if you jumped, which I assumed you would, but I was afraid that some of you would jump to the floor. So, imagine how these guys were feeling. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. And when the angels had left them, ping, and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. Let's leave the sheep. The Lord told us about this, so I, I, I got to think they're going to be okay. There was probably a committee meeting. They probably got together, and then they had a vote, and they had to have a had to have a you know, all in favor con- consensus vote. And they had to come to a place. Some of these shepherds probably were a little more emphatic about leaving than others, but they went. They responded. They overcame the fear of losing their flock for the the glory of God. So they hurried off and found Mary and the Joseph, the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I've got good news. Unto us a a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. Isn't that great news? You hear it from this pulpit all the time. What I say to you, I can just as easily say to me. I almost wish there was like a mirror hanging right here. So as I speak, I always have to look at me too. How you doing on sharing that good news? Or does sharing that good news terrify you? The Lord is with you. I got some news. Go share it. We live in a time of fear. Don't we? I'm afraid of global warming. I'm afraid of it not being true. I'm afraid I might not know if it's true or not true. I'm afraid of politics, I'm afraid of wars, I'm afraid of conflicts, I'm afraid of my diet and my health, I'm afraid of my popularity or lack thereof, am I good enough? I have fears about myself, I have fears about others. 
I have fear of change. I have fear of things staying the same. I have fear of aging. I have fear of not growing up. The sermon is titled, I'm Afraid So. You probably, I, I checked in with John Bates in the prayer room and I said, what's my sermon title? And he picked it up and he said, oh, it's, well, I'm afraid so. And I said, exactly what I wanted you to do because that's not my sermon title. I'm afraid. So, Zechariah, I'm afraid. So I doubt. I question. I need answers. I demand proof. And God may have silenced Zechariah, but God didn't say, you what? I'll pick somebody else. Because you're not good enough. Mary, I'm afraid. So, show me the plan. I need to accept my situation and I need to have some sort of comfort. I need to know how I fit in this and, and how it's all going to play out. Aren't these our fears? The shepherds say, we're afraid. So, let's follow God's lead. Because that's the only way to go. And you say to yourself, I'm afraid. So, so what? I want to, re- I want to close with a portion of scripture from Philippians. That's about a guy who has had a lifetime of fear. Or, shall I say, fearful situations. Because over time, I believe Paul began to not, to not, I'm going to double negative it, to not not acknowledge his fear, but to recognize and understand that those fears that we have, which are real, and God knows they're real, he knows your fear is real, And he's not ready to just dismiss it. But he wants to overcome it. And wants to help you overcome it. Paul has learned how to overcome it. Not saying that he did it every time either. I know I haven't. Verse 4 of chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Sound familiar? The Lord is with you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have heard, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you.
What are you afraid of? God created us to be with Him. And it's our sin that separates us from God and He gets in the way. Sin can't be paid for by good deeds. Jesus came to pay the price for those sins. Jesus came as our Savior. Good news. For all the people, everyone who trusts in the Lord will be saved. Everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ will have eternal life. And life that's eternal means we'll be with God forever, and that starts now. Now. I'm afraid. So, to lead us in our last song. Will you stand with us once again? About 24 years I crawled around in the dark. I didn't have a Savior. I didn't know Him. But I was shown light. As a matter of fact, I was shown light from this very Bible I hold in my hands. So, if you don't know Christ is your Savior, I ask you, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of taking the step forward and entering into a relationship with the God who made you, who loves you, who created you and wants the best for you? What are you afraid of? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word and I thank you for the power within it to transform lives. I thank you for how it has touched so many people in this room. And Lord, I pray for the for those in this room who may not know you. Pray you open their eyes, open their hearts, open their hands to let go of the fear that they have and to step into a relationship with you as a son or daughter of the King. We thank you for this time of the year that we can celebrate the coming of your Son into this world. And I pray, Lord, you would free our tongues and open our mouths to share this good news. For all you give us, Father, we praise you and we bless you. In your Son's name, amen. Amen.